Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. In recent months, we saw the news that there's a serious shortage of qualified vets facing the Irish veterinary industry, with some practices advertising for more than a year to try and fill positions. Coupled this, the rising costs and ever increasing demands on our vets for small and large animals. Where exactly is the sector right now? And I'm delighted to be joined by three vets. Firstly, I'm joined by Charles Cosgrave. He's the co-owner of Village Vets. And they're a large uh, multiple uh, site practice, Dublin, Meath, Wicklow. Also joined by Cathy Enright, who's the co-owner of the Rockall Veterinary uh, Limited down there in, in Limerick, Clare. And Conor Garrity, the former president of the Veterinary Ireland, uh, he's also owner of the Farmgate Veterinary Group uh, over there, uh, west of the Shannon. You're all very welcome to the programme. And before I start, if you do have a technical question for any of our esteemed vets here in the studio, uh, send us a, a WhatsApp to 087-1400-106. There's already a couple of them in, and we'll try to get to them a bit later. Charles, we might start with you. Uh, you've been on the show with us before. You're the co-owner of Village Vets. Um, remind us of your business, um, and I know you have an interesting story because uh, you took over your father's business, but I think it's a radically different business now than it was in your dad's time. Yeah, um, dad set up the practice in Dunshockland, so we're village vets, and uh, he set that up in 1980, and we've now 19 sites across Meads, Dublin and Wicklow, and we deal all with domestic pets. So everything from new kittens and puppies right up to complex orthopaedic procedures, chemotherapies, um, ophthalmology, cardiology, all those different disciplines. And uh, yeah, we're, I'm really proud to represent our 260 vets and nurses and uh, care, care team that work with us every day. And we'll come back to building that business in a minute, Charles, because I know you worked in some, spent some time in the UK and maybe there's a model over there that's starting to happen here, but more of that and on. Let's welcome our second guest, who's Cathy Enright, the co-owner of Rockall uh, Veterinary Limited uh, in Limerick and Clare. Cathy, you're very welcome to the to the business, to Down to Business. Uh, you operate this business with your sister, is that correct? That's correct, just yeah. myself and my sister. Yep. So tell us more about the business. Um, so again, we're 100% small animal practice in uh, Limerick and Clare, and uh, we started Rockall in 2017. Me as the vet and my sister Michelle, um, the non-clinical uh, side of the business. And uh, we currently have six sites and a 24-hour emergency hospital, Limerick Night Vets. And we're the only uh, 24-hour hospital service in the Midwest region. And um, yeah. so That's very interesting. And, and tell me about the setup of the the 24-hour night vet service. was it, That set up as a different business. Is there a reason for that? Um, yeah, well, it's part of the Rockhall Group, but I suppose um, Limerick Night Vets is a bit different in the sense that it doesn't provide GP care. What it provides is emergency out-of-hours care. Yeah. So we provide that for our own clients, but we also provide that for other veterinary practices that are affiliated to Limerick Night Vets. And that allows those vets to, you know, come... Have a life. Exactly. Okay. Get the work-life balance there. Get that. Yeah. Uh, let's bring in our third guest. Uh, he's been on the show before as well. Connor Garrity, uh, former president of Veterinary Ireland and owner of the Farmgate Veterinary Group. Connor, you're very welcome to the programme again. How are you? I'm good, Bobby. Thanks very much. Remind our listeners of your fabulous large animal practice. Yeah, so I suppose we have um, an 11 vet large animal practice based over three sites uh, across East Galway. And... Um, 
essentially an, an, an amalgamation of, of six veterinary practices started back in 2000, uh, having bought a, a small single person practice and built from there. Okay. And, and the difference in running a, a large animal practice versus a small one for, I suppose, a non-vet are probably obvious, but, but is, does it, is it a very different business, Charles? Oh, very much so. Like Connor, you know, Connor's on the road the whole time in his practice um, and, you know, visiting farms where in village vets we have people bringing pets to us. So we have people bringing lizards, uh, rabbits, cats, dogs. So uh, that's one of the fundamental differences is, is that the small animals tends to happen on in, 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 in your own uh, in, in your own premises. Whereas exactly. as Connor is, he's going to the large horse or uh, farms and, and carrying out his business there. Exactly, yeah. So look, you know, this is heading into peak season for Connor now. He'll be calving season shortly and uh, that'll keep him uh, keep him keep him and his team on, on their toes for the next couple of months. Uh, Connor, remind us about calving season uh, as it as we're right in the midst of it. Um, how how much of a 24 operation is that? How, to, how, do you have to gear up for that every year? Certainly have to gear up for it, yeah. The first thing we have to do is, is take a bit of a break in January anyway in, in, in advance. So we all try and get in a, a week's holidays if we can before the spring. Um, you're talking about, I suppose, 80% of cows are going to calf between February, March, April. Right. Um, and, um, and calving is only one issue to that. So then you have all the usual um, sick cows and sick calves that go, you know, which is probably a bigger workload than actually calving. So... Um, I suppose for someone on call here um, in the in the midst of spring, they can reasonably expect probably to work right through the night if they're on call. Right, and, and would would with the with the advances in technology now, has that calving I suppose window narrowed in that it's it's easier to plan that you could have all your calves in, in a shorter period, albeit that you'd be you'd be busier, but at least you could get it all done maybe in a month or in six weeks? Yeah, certainly. So a lot of farmers, especially dairy farmers, would aim for, you know, a 10, 12, 14-week calving window. I suppose what is what people maybe don't understand is that whilst dairy cows, like half the cows in the country are dairy cows, but they're concentrated in 18,000 farms and there's 120,000 farmers. And all the other uh, cows are, 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 are spread across the other uh, smaller units, yeah. and for various reasons, they might have autumn calving, they might calve at Christmas when they're off from work, they might just, uh, you know, planning mightn't be as as central to their facilities, for example, they mightn't have facilities to calve all their cows in, in six weeks. So we tend to see, uh, whilst the headlines is that calving is very busy from February to April, we tend to have very few weeks in the year where we don't have calvings. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it is, but uh, it really ramps up during that period okay. of time. Uh, back to you, Cathy. About did you do, did you decide at a very early age that you wanted to become a vet? I did. I think I always wanted to be a vet. You know, as for as long as I can remember, we always had horses at home and pets and the usual story. But I was the first kind of person in our family that went on to do vet. Yeah. Um, but I kind of went a, a bit of a convoluted route about because I couldn't get the points in the even search to get a place in an Irish college. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you because I, I know Charles has a similar story but is it is it why is veterinary 580 plus points? It's literally it, just the place. Surely 
surely the best vets, or you, one could argue that the best vets might not be the 600 point guys or girls Absolutely. out there in society. So it, 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 I know it's a supply and demand thing, but am I right in saying that, you know, two out of three of our vets now are going to Budapest, they're going to Poland, uh, and there's only one course available here. Is it in UCD? That's correct, yeah. yeah. So even myself, like I trained at the University of Edinburgh um, because I was unable to get the points to get in um, to uh, study at UCD. So I had to find another route and um, that is what Irish graduates are having to do and undergraduates to do now where they have to go abroad and um, we're kind of outsourcing our veterinary training. And um, it is dictated, like you said, it's it's the demand for the places. And you still have over 200, you know, applicants every year that are disappointed that cannot yeah. get into. Uh, Charles, I know you have a similar story. Remind us about your struggle with the points at the, at, in the early days. Yeah, look, you know, it, the, the points were, they've always been quite high in veterinary. So I had to do the leaving uh, search a few times to, before I got the points. So, uh, you know, and I don't know if that was a reflection of the points in the course or maybe it was my aptitude to study, but we won't, uh, we won't, we won't dig up the dead on yeah. that. You got, you got there in the end. I got there in the end, yeah. And uh, you're embarrassing me now, Bobby. But anyway, uh, no, I think that to your point there, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, it, it doesn't require, the job doesn't require 600 points or whatever the, the high well, six. It just seems, it seems a bit at odds if you think about you guys not being able to get uh, qualified vets to work yeah. in your practices versus all these people who want to study veterinary. You know, and then it, it, it it's that the only way of what appears to be curtailing the resource to train vets is, is the point system. Yeah, I think, it, look, the, the UCD have a limited amount of spaces um, to take vet, vets and both veterinary nurses as well. So like there's a, there's a shortage of both vets and nurses. And then with COVID, um, there became a, a pet ownership boom. So, you know, there's a 20% increase in pet owners over COVID and, you know, a, a, a that happened very quickly and the lead time for vets to come out of college takes five years. So we had a huge increase in demand and services um, without the staff to support it. And I think maybe Cathy could talk to the, to the, you know, the plans for the new veterinary college in Limerick because that will help uh, alleviate that shortfall uh, in the next coming years. Before we talk about that, Cathy, maybe there's a few texts here that we uh, there's a lot of texts that have come in, but as usual, when you ask for texts, you can often get a lot about pricing. So bear bear with me because there's a couple there. But one one text there says, "Bobby, we're a small young equine veterinary practice, and one of our biggest challenges is getting payment on invoices." Have your guests any advice and tips on this, um, Connor? Would you have a view on that? Getting paid, I'm sure we've all. We've all uh, gone out in the middle of the night and done uh, our business and done what we we thought was a sale, but it wasn't a sale because you never got paid. It happens to everybody. Any advice? Um, I don't know. Am I the best place to advise? But um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. you've been burnt like the rest of us. Is that what absolutely. you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I suppose, um, like the key the key change I see in 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 veterinary over the over the last two decades has been the migration from from basically a vocation based profession to more of a business based profession. Yeah. And 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 we have to do that if if only for the retention of the vets that we have. You know, I think retention is as big a just as big an issue as recruitment and and like reality is most vets only last seven years in practice which is which is you know if you think it takes that's incredibly short isn't it incredibly Uh, short and that's not an irish phenomenon like it's a six in the uk so i mean obviously um 
being able to remunerate uh, to pay your staff on time and be able to pay your suppliers on time that for a young practice i mean i've been there that's 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 a huge issue and if you're not collecting yeah. invoices it's it's a huge issue and i suppose over time you know what happens in generally is is you know these sort of clients get um weeded out i suppose essentially from from businesses but yeah. as businesses get bigger which they are uh, in an effort to try and keep your staff and have better rotas I think there's probably less room for, for uh, you know, clients that, you know, try to um, avail of a service without paying for it yeah. in, in, in a timely manner. But it is, like, it, is, it is difficult and it is very hard. If you're out and you're looking at an animal in distress, um, yeah. you know, you can't just walk away and you have obligations there from the Veterinary Council as well. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, you're, you're in a conflicted situation. But, I mean, ultimately... It's 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 as important a part of business as yeah. um, as hiring vets or, or or hiring staff. You know, you you really have to make sure that you collect your money because you're you're um, essentially putting the service at risk for everybody. If Absolutely, uh, Charles. I, I said I'd come back to you on the model that we're now seeing. Uh, your own business is a perfect example of it. Now we're we're seeing effectively consolidation. We're seeing equity injections from some from VCs but other uh, private equities now so we we're, veterinary practices are, are they're scaling and they're gearing up and you're a perfect example of that tell us about just your journey around that yeah, I suppose like you're know, picking up from Connor's point there is that practices have to get bigger in an attempt to sort of deal with the increasing cost that, and investment that practices need to stay relevant, stay current and be able to provide essentially a human grade level of healthcare to pets and what, and what we do in Village Vets and same in Rockall Vets. And that, co- that comes at a huge cost. And then retention, recruitment and retention, you do, you do need scale to be able to provide um, the resources to one, attract people and also two, to retain them. So as a result, like we've the largest, <coughs> uh, Village Vets has the largest veterinary education programme outside of a university setting. So last year we spent a million euros on training and uh, support of our vets and nurses and animal care team and that comes you know that does, comes does it also mean and maybe this is, is is maybe it's not an issue but does it also mean then that if I'm qualifying as a vet in the year of today that I'm unlikely ever to own my own practice not uh, a, no not at all so what we're actually doing is we're offering partnerships to vets that we work with um, so they can be joint partners in the in in the business that they work with, not the model that we'll be rolling out this year, and we're really excited about that. Um, it's going to be a game changer in the industry, um, and it allows people that are, you know, want to stay in the profession, want to stay longer than the, the seven years that Connor has referenced there, and actually have a, an equity stake in their business that they're working in. And we're we're we hope to have that rolled out in the next couple of months. And also, uh, it, it it's a way of 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 cashing out, which is again probably difficult when. Traditional vets, again, like your own, uh, Charles, were, were family-based and, you know, so so it, it is a different era. What are your own thoughts about the future of the profession, Cathy? Yeah, it's very changing and it's very challenging at the moment. I suppose if we look at other interest in industries like the pharmacy, we are kind of going down that type of road where um, we're consolidating and, um, you know, various groups and yeah. uh, are coming in. And um, But I think overall it's been very good for um, the rising standards and it has forced us to look at various strategies 
to, you know, develop our own teams and, you know, like even there with the payments coming up with the different strategies to help people changing the focus for our clients towards preventative healthcare rather than emergency type firefighting medicine and, mm. you know, helping our clients in that way and also looking at like payment um, op- uh, options for clients in terms of, fine, you know, f- getting third party um, uh, help in terms of financing veterinary care because, the standard has just gone through the roof. The education, as Charles was talking about, of our t- of our teams and what goes into not only just looking after the pet, but looking after the pet owner um, and, you know, delivering like the level of service that we're delivering now in terms of same day procedures, same day bloods, you know, like we're, we're really like even out competing human medicine at the moment in terms of the level of service that we're providing. And so, vet bills are 30 to 40% more expensive than GP visits. And human outcomes are more successful than animal outcomes, says one texter, but maybe that's for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just in, in last word to you then, Connor, as a former president of, of Veterinary Ireland, do you see the consolidation and the new ways and the new model uh, as a positive in terms of the future of the profession? Well, it's like any change, uh, Bobby. There's, you know, there's upsides and downsides, and of course, like practices do need to get bigger. Um, but I suppose the the key thing is 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 to look at the potential downsides and try to mitigate against them. So, I mean, the 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 first and and probably crucial thing is that we have uh, lost a lot of senior vets because of acquisitions that have went after a year or two retired. Uh, yeah. That, that happened in a very short space of time. So um, that would be one loss. The second one, I suppose, is that we do need... Sorry, um, just to explain that, uh, Connor. So that's basically vets are being bought out and they don't stay with the, with the practice when they no exactly, longer own it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, in any, in any practice, as Charles or Cathy will tell you, like it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the veterinary owner that drives the business on and, and has that passion for veterinary. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if, 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 if you prematurely retire... Um, a significant number of those, it is. It does affect the industry. Now, the okay. other thing I suppose, in, and, and as it goes back to Charles's point, is that we do need to identify right. where the next generation of veterinary leaders are coming from. Well, on that note, we'll have to leave it there. A big thanks to Charles Cosgrave, Cathy Enright, and indeed Conor Garrity, all vets, working vets. Thank you for joining us today. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.